This is my tribe. 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 What's up? Welcome to the Tribe Night Messages podcast. Tribe Night is for students who are curious about faith and eager to discover how a relationship with Jesus could change their lives, their schools, and the heartland. For more information, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at cstone.students or text tribe to 94000. Hope you enjoy the message. How's everybody doing tonight? Yeah. Well, welcome, welcome, welcome. I know. I know it. So I am, I am super excited to be here, to be here with you guys, just working through this new series that we're in called Big Picture. And in this series, if you were here last week, you, you'll know that we have been looking at the life of a really important person from the Bible, and that guy's name was Joseph. See, Joseph, he had this really, really crazy life. All kinds of crazy stuff happened to him. There was weird things, unbelievable things, and some really sad things have happened to Joseph. But just like in our own lives, God uses those things. He he was working in a big, to help him to see the big picture. God had a bigger picture in mind for Joseph, just like he does for us. And he wants us to see that in this story as well. So from Joseph's life, we, we not only see the bigger picture um, in our own life and not only the bigger picture, but we discover like, what it looks like to fully dive into our God-given potential, to fully realize what our potential is as created beings by God. And here at Tribe, we want that for you. Like, we want you to become the person that God's created you to be, and we want you to discover what your full potential is. And through Joseph's story, we get to see ways that, that we can become more self-aware, that we can learn, and that we can lean into this potential that God has for us. So that's the point of this, this series. Um, it's something that we're really passionate about here at Cornerstone, and we want you guys to fully, fully understand your potential. But before we get into Joseph's story tonight, I have a question for you guys. And just think about it. You don't have to say it out loud. But what is the biggest L in your life that you've ever taken? The biggest L? Yesterday. Somebody took an L yesterday. Wow. That stinks. How are you doing today? See, whenever... Maybe it's something that is, maybe your team, they blew the championship game. Maybe your friend got more likes than you on an Instagram post, and you guys posted the same exact photo. That one always stinks. 
See, when, or maybe it's whenever someone else got the lead in the school play or got first chair in band, whatever it is, we've taken L's in our life, right? See, when I was 13, I took one of the biggest L's I'd ever taken, big loss. I was on a baseball team. And see, this was a travel baseball team, and we were pretty, we were pretty good. We weren't a bad team at all. We were good. We had only lost a couple games that year. The entire season was a lot of fun. Like, we, were, we scored. We were 10-run rolling teams all the time. We were on top. We were top dogs. We felt good, and we got this opportunity to go play in Chicago for this really big tournament that if we won, we could go play for a state championship. Long story short, we made the drive up there. We were confident. We had our first game after we had gotten to practice just a little bit on the field. We had this first game, and we go out there, and we're amped up. We're excited. We run out there, and we got 10 run ruled. And the worst part was is that it was a double elimination tournament. We played again an hour later, and we got 10 run ruled again. See, that stunk because we thought we were on top. We thought we were good, and at least we thought we would compete. It was not pretty. It was, it's something that, I'm going to be honest with you, it still kind of stings, stings me today. I try to let it go, but that day where we just lost like 20 to nothing in two games really, really stinks. We were so excited. We were looking forward to at least winning one game, going out and celebrating, doing all that fun stuff at an arcade or something like that. And the worst part was, is after we had lost both of those games, we already had this, this plan to go to the, the arcade that was there and celebrate. So we all went into the arcade and just moped around because we just lost by 20 runs that day. So it wasn't celebratory at all. It was really, really bad. We just had to hold, we just had to hold that L for us the whole week. See, we, we all know what it feels like to take a loss in life, whatever that may be. Because honestly, it, life just sometimes feels like, at least in my eyes, it feels like one long series of wins and losses. Sometimes you ace that test that you studied for. And sometimes you completely bomb it. Sometimes your parents let you stay up late or let you go out with your friends late. And sometimes you get grounded. Sometimes that girl that, f that you feel like feels the same exact way about you, she does. Sometimes she does not. See, it's wins and losses. Wins and losses. Of course, though, when we're winning in life, we love it, right? Like we love to be winning in life. We feel great about life because, because things are, they're, just, they're not just going our way but they're going better than our way. Like life rocks. Everything is going awesome. But almost as quickly as those wins come, as we feel like things are good, so do the losses. And when those losses happen, the difficult, the tough, the painful things in life, they suddenly make life not feel so great. See, some of you know that because you've dealt with difficult losses in the past. Some of you may be dealing with a few right now. Maybe you have parents that are so critical, 
They're so hard on you. They're so tough on you at home that you feel like you just can't do anything right no matter what it is. Or maybe you've been forced to move schools or change friend groups and you just feel completely lonely and left out. Maybe you're struggling with the end of a relationship or the end of a friendship and you don't know how to handle the rejection and the hurt that you're feeling. Or maybe you're dealing with some really difficult things like death, abuse, divorce, illness, or brokenness in your home. See, no matter the loss, no matter the loss you may have faced, no matter when it came, the one, (sighs) losses are hard, no matter what. The reality is, though, is that they're going to keep coming. Losses in life are inevitable. They're an unavoidable part of being a human. So we've all got something in our lives that causes us pain, that causes us heartache, disappointment. And when we're in the middle of it, it's really, really hard to see the bigger picture. In fact, it's hard to see anything other than our hurt, our frustration, our loneliness, our anger. We just see those things and we feel that way because of the loss that we're experiencing. But the question I have is, what if, what if there's more to it than that? What if there was a way to get through our losses? What if there's a bigger picture that we might just be missing sometimes? See, if there's anybody who understood what it feels like to be in the middle of a pretty big loss, it's Joseph. The guy we're talking about in this series, and he was the youngest of 12 brothers, which in and of itself could seem like a difficult position to be in, to have 12 brothers older than you. And to the fact, add to that, that Joseph was his father's absolute favorite son. So there's 12 of them, and Joseph was the favorite And his dad made sure he knew he was the favorite. You add all those things together, and you've got this recipe for like a really big family feud. See, Joseph's brothers disliked him for the way that their father loved him. They were jealous. They were hurt. They were angry, and so much so that they came up with this plan to deal with Joseph. They were going to deal with him, and they had had a way that they were going to give him a really big loss. Let's take a look at what it says in Genesis chapter 37. It says, They saw him in the distance, and before he reached them, they plotted to kill him. And just like that, like that escalated quickly, right? Like his brothers didn't like him. We know they don't like him. But it goes from we don't like him to we're going to kill him. See, Joseph's brothers, they didn't do what most other older siblings would do when they're mad. See, I'm the oldest, and I've never actually plotted to kill one of my younger siblings. I may have, like, just thought it for a brief second. I'm not going to be a liar. But I never actually plotted to kill them. See, they, they didn't decide to just, to just shove him in a closet. They didn't decide to just lock him out of the house or embarrass him in front of his friends to deal with him. No, they literally made a plot to kill their brother to end his life. See, that's a pretty big deal. 
And let's look at what happened next. It says, so when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe, the ornate robe that he was wearing, and they took him and threw him into the cistern. The cistern was empty. There was no water in it. So at this point, you might be thinking two things. One, Joseph's brothers are jerks. Two, what's a cistern? See, I feel you on on both of those accounts. I totally get it. See, Joseph's brothers were jerks, so you're correct. They were bad news. And basically, a cistern is simply just a well. Look at this picture. It's a large, deep hole in the ground that fills with water. See, when people needed to get water for cooking, drinking, or washing, they would drop a bucket connected to a rope deep into this well or cistern, and they'd scoop up the water and bring it back up using this rope. So that's where Joseph is. He's at the bottom of something similar to that. See, now that we've figured that out, let's get back to the story. And at this point, so Joseph's not dead yet. Joseph's brothers, they hadn't killed him. But as soon as he got within their reach, they took the robe that he was wearing, a really special robe that his father had given him to show how much he loved him. And they threw Joseph into this empty well. See, now, if I were Joseph and I'd just been thrown into a well, I'd think that this right here, this is the ultimate loss. Like, I'm done for. My brothers have just betrayed me. They've stole from me. And even worse, they've left me to die. Like, it can't get much worse than that, right? Your family completely betraying from you, stripping you of everything that you have, and then dropping you in a well. See, as this narrative unfolds, we see that Joseph's brothers, they ultimately decided they weren't going to kill him. They won't kill him. Instead, they sold Joseph to a group of people who took him as a slave to Egypt. So he didn't die, but they made him a slave. See, Joseph's brothers, they were really bad news. Really bad news. They took the robe they'd stolen from him, they soaked it in animal blood, and they took it back to their father, leading him to believe that his beloved son, the son he loved most, had been killed. So they didn't actually kill him, but they told their dad that he was dead. Don't worry about him anymore. Don't even go looking for him. He's gone. See, if this, if this right here sounds like the plot to like a Netflix hit show or a Netflix documentary, it's because it really could be. Like, this is crazy stuff. I mean, everything about Joseph's life changed in this passage of Scripture. Everything. And it definitely did not change for the better. It just got worse and worse and worse. And he took loss after loss after loss. See, while your story... It may not look exactly like Joseph's, right? You're probably, you understand and you know the feeling of being dealt a loss or pain in your life and feeling like it just keeps stacking up on each other. In a way, you can probably relate to Joseph a bit. Maybe not fully, but a little bit. And I think we all can. We can relate to this feeling of loss. See, here's where... Here's what I think is so interesting about about this particular passage in Scripture. It's that the entire narrative is about Joseph, right? This is about Joseph's life, all the things that happened to him, but he never spoke a word or uttered 
a response to what they were doing, at least for what we have that's recorded. He had no control over what was happening to him, and he just let it happen. See, in fact, all of this stuff just happened to Joseph. He didn't choose it. He couldn't do anything about it, and as far as we know, he didn't even have a chance to speak up or to stop it. The losses that Joseph was dealt were totally and completely out of his control. See, and a lot of times, our losses come this way too. We find ourselves in in situations that make us feel hopeless. We find ourselves in difficult situations or make us feel pain. And we feel totally and completely out of control of what's happening. We have no words. We have no power. We have no control. It's just happening to us, and we can't stop it. And just like Joseph, we feel helpless. See, that's a pretty hopeless place to be. And I don't know about you, but when I've found myself feeling sold out, feeling thrown away, or just feeling completely and totally lost like Joseph was, I certainly can't see the bigger picture and sometimes don't even want to. I can't see my purpose beyond the pain that I'm feeling right now. Everything that I'm experiencing in the moment is all I can feel. See, if someone told me that God was working on a bigger picture or writing a bigger story that I just couldn't see at the moment, I'm going to be honest with you, it would be hard for me to believe. When things are hard, it's really difficult for us to understand that there's a bigger picture. See, but then just a few chapters later in Joseph's story comes this really simple verse that I think gives us an idea of the bigger picture that we get to hold on to in the middle of our hurt. It says this. It says, the Lord was with Joseph. The Lord was with Joseph. It's five words. That's it. See, when his brothers were attacking him, when he was tossed into the well, when he was left for dead, when he was sold into slavery, God was with Joseph. Even when he couldn't see it, even when he didn't feel it, even when he had no idea what was going to happen next, God was with him. See, and that's the bigger picture that I want us to see in the midst of our pain tonight. See, when you can't see the bigger picture, remember that God is with you. In whatever pit that you feel like you're in, God is with you. In whatever circumstance that feels out of your control, God is with you. In whatever loss that you're facing right now in life, God is with you. See, that's the bigger picture. That's the thing that will help you hang on and carry on no matter what is happening, no matter what you're facing. See, and I know that the phrase that God is with you, it can be confusing. It can be hard to understand. And I think part of that is because we hear that, we hear that phrase that God is with you, and we think that that means he's going to just change our circumstances. That if he's with us in the pit, then that means he's going to pull us out of the pit and turn things around instantly, right? So you see, see, God has invited us, he's invited us into something that's bigger than that. 
just like Joseph, we're invited by God through the gospel to make him the Lord of our lives. In the midst of our suffering, in the midst of our loss, our pain, we remember that Jesus suffered to save us from our own sins. We remember that because of what Jesus did, that that God is always working. He's always working for our good and that he wants the best for our lives. So when we're facing loss or pain of of any kind, we can certainly believe and know that, that he's working to make those things better in his time. It may not happen right away. It may not happen in the way that we expect it to happen. It may not happen in a way that we even feel like we can really see it. But while we're waiting, God is there with us. See, if he doesn't pull us out of the pit, he gets right down in the pit with us. And until things change, we can cling to the fact that he's there with us, that we're not in it alone. See, the promise of the gospel, it isn't that everything in this life will be perfect or that God will magically change every single bad circumstance that we find ourselves in. But it does promise us that we don't have to do it alone and that he's right by our side through every single step. So if you're facing a, a deep loss, a, a difficult circumstance, painful experience right now in your life, here's what I want you to know. It's that God sees you, that God loves you, that he's inviting you to invite him into your life. Because when you can't see the bigger picture, we need to remember that God is with you. See, and we get to start by doing a couple simple things. There's two things that I think you can do to start remembering that God is with you. And the first one is believe God is with you. Believe that he is. For some of you, the best thing that you can do right now is simply remind yourself daily that God is with you. Or maybe it's for the first time you accept God into your life. You see, he's with you in whatever you're facing. Every day when you wake up, before your feet even hit the floor, remind yourself of this truth. Remind yourself that God is with me. Say it out loud. Write it on a note that's beside your bed. Pray it as a prayer. Post it on your mirror. Whatever you have to do to remind yourself every single day that God is with you. See, let that be enough to get you through one day. Then tomorrow, do the same. Remind yourself one day at a time. Remind yourself that God is with you in your pain and your loss. And the second thing is look for God's presence. So after you remind yourself that God is with you, then look for his presence to prove it. It's one thing to say that God is with us and to believe that it's true, but it's another thing to begin to actually see him with us. See, God shows himself in so many ways. So many ways, whether it's through music, through nature, through scripture, through friends, family, our church. See, God is in all of those things. He'll even speak to us in our hearts when we really, really seek it out. See, this week, 
as you're, as you're remembering that God is with you, as you're, as you're trying to remember that, you're making that something that is part of your routine every single day, I want you to keep your eyes open to, to see him in the songs that you see, sing at church, in the trees outside your bedroom window, or in the verses in your Bible you read in the morning, or in the good morning that you get from your mom or your dad or a brother or sister, or the conversation you have with a friend. To look for his presence in, in the way your friends make you feel better and how your parents take care of you or the way that your tribe group leader encourages you. See, all those things, all of them, are evidence of God's presence. They're all evidence that God is right here with us, right here and right now. They're going to help you get through any loss, any any loss, whether it's big, whether it's small, that you may be facing, those little things that we see can help. You see, this part of, of discovering our full God-given potential, this is part of that. See, recognizing that not only are we doing this alone, but we also can't. We can't do it alone. Knowing that God is with us, it helps us to overcome the challenges it helps us to keep going, and it helps us to live the lives that God designed for us. See, we can't see the bigger picture when we're so focused on all the bad, when we feel alone. So I encourage you that, that when you can't see the bigger picture, to remember that God is with you. And as we, as we continue in worship, I want you to think about this question. Think about this while, while the songs are playing. Maybe you need to pray. Maybe you need to sit there. Maybe you need to just ponder this question for a few minutes. The question is, is what's one way that I know God is with me? Try to think of one way that you know God is with you. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the promise that you gave us that we'll never be alone. Thank you for the fact that when we're going through something really, really difficult, through loss, through pain, through hurt, that you're right there in it with us. That you don't abandon us. You don't leave us there to deal with it by ourselves. That you get in the pit. You get in the well. And you're right there with us. I pray that we would have the knowledge and the understanding to know that, that you're there and that we can call on you whenever we need you. I pray that we would start seeing you in everything, that we would wake up every morning and remind ourselves that you're right here through the little things, through the big things, through it all. And I pray that each and every one of these students would start seeing you in everything, Lord, in their friends, in their family, in, the, in Scripture, in songs, in, in the things around them, Lord, that we would know we're not alone. And no matter how much it hurts or how much pain we're going through, that you haven't abandoned us, you're right there with us and you love us more than ever. I pray this in your name. Amen.